You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I am your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Greg Hectus. What's up, everybody? Hey, David Hall. On the road again. All right, and Brian McCubbin. Hey, everybody. How's it going this week? Great. On the show today, we'll check out some new Season 4 offerings and speculate about others. We see who punched their ticket to the Final Four in the eNASCAR Coke Series and look at what might be the most expensive sim wheels we've ever seen and ask if it could possibly be worth the money. Yeah, that's right, Mike. And uh, you can follow along with this on your PC or mobile device as you listen to the show and see for yourself all these great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting the show notes. So log on and we'll see you then. into topics we are in week 12 you know what that means guys build inbound and we know what's coming this one is the porsche 962 we get some nice teaser photos i I think they told us about this one the week before but uh some nice teaser photos of it out on the track in the wild uh this one's definitely coming in the season four build next week I really like these IMSA cars that are coming out. I'm I'm really interested to see because they still had the un- to unveil what we think is what the Acura that was underneath the other uh, silhouette. Right. I like how the GTP series or GTP class, I should say, is really rounding out with a lot of cars. You know, they're going to have a nice car count. They've done a thing. Yeah, that's happening because they're, they're they're expecting to with all their optimizations to up the car count, the unique car count, which which so you'll be able to have more than the nine classes that we've had in the past or eight classes, whatever it was. Well, as they spend time optimizing the sim, where it's not as heavy as you would call it. Um, and they did some of that in season three. I mean, they were touting how the load times were down significantly. And I've noticed. All right, moving on. Greg, what's the next one that we might see next week? Could there be rain in the forecast? Yeah, so we uh, we got a post here, or it was in the forums that are talking about uh, thinking about we're going to get the rain in the update because obviously putting some things together, I guess David Kamer was talking a lot in the 15th anniversary stream about um, the rain a lot. And, you know, if you think about it, would you know, to celebrate their 15th year anniversary here type thing, why, why, why wouldn't you go with the big thing that we've been waiting for? You wouldn't because it's not ready. <laughs> That's so right. I'm trying to... This has been a like a wow. quarterly um quarterly uh, speculation every 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 quarter you speculate if this is the one that rain's coming. 
and and Dave Kamer, he did talk a lot about it. Um, I don't know if he's just really excited about it, or maybe he's he's kind of hinting at something. It's it's hard to tell. I guess we'll find out if, if it's not if it is coming out this build. Um, they sure have kept it quiet. That's for sure. You know, looking back at other big endeavors, big projects like the initial day and night system. You know, I I was in iRacing back when it didn't shift from day to night. It was always it was static. Uh, but anyway, just like that project and even the uh, team racing project where you had multiple people in the same car, um, that took them forever and ever. And we every every quarter, you know, we would talk about, is it coming? Is it coming? And I think that's why iRacing got that, um, that culturally, that hashtag soon. Like, we know it's coming, but man, it just takes forever. Well, I think the other thing that I'm, I'm wondering, and this is where my mind's thinking is we haven't got the release for that second uh, GTP car uh, category car. What if they use that car to announce with the rain or a video of both that car and the Porsche in the rain type thing? I don't know. It just, it seems like we're missing out some, some, uh, as soon as probably tonight we're done the podcast, they'll announce something or something will go live waiting into next week. Well, I don't know if we have a real big list for next week. So that's the other reason I think people are thinking maybe this is it because it would definitely round out the list. I mean, if, if everything we know right now that's being released, it, you know, as a package and you add rain onto it, nobody's going to be disappointed. You know, oh, they didn't do enough. Yeah, right now with just the stuff we know about, it would be a pretty very light build, build for sure. And this, it would, and it would, would be a light build, would, right? Yeah, rain would take it over the top if it came out with the other stuff we know is coming. But I know this: if if you want rain for uh, the Daytona Twenty Four, it's either got to be next week or uh, or build a season one because that'll be the last chance for it to be ready before um, you know the Daytona Twenty Four. And that's why I'm thinking, why wouldn't you want to try and get, you know, a season's worth of racing on it so that there is no bugs right. for their big one, right? You don't want... Right. You want the... But the answer again is... They're not going... They're not going to delay it because I think it's better to delay it just to oh. have a better release time. They'll put, put it out... Let, let me guess. David uses Mint Mobile. Is this not ready? Uh, you sound like a robot. Anybody yeah, really can't hear you, but podcast. David's on the road. He's not actually with us. He's kind of doing the Dale Junior podcast type thing from the road. Uh, it's probably yeah, because uh, you know, I live in Arkansas. Um, I live in Arkansas, and the coverage is spotty. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, we heard uh, this week, Trading Paints has had a data leak. Apparently, someone this week leaked uh, 270,000 usernames and, ha and passwords from Trading Paints, uh, reported by uh, some guy on Twitter. Um, Trading Paints later confirmed the breach in a post of their own. Um, they basically lost the username and the password, from what I can tell. 
Um, iRacing quickly chimed in and said, uh, hey, make sure to change your iRacing password, especially if you use the same one on both services. Um, and they definitely recommend a password change at iRacing as well if you're not sure. And really, you should probably change any password for anything that you have that shares that um, your trading paints one. Right. Because they're out there, they're in public view on the internet kind of thing. And so that's why you need to change it. So I investigated the passwords. Um, I, I use a password manager system that generates this random, you know, real long character with all the stuff in it. It's like gibberish, you know? So I have it copy pasted into an app and and it's randomized from everything else that I use. So I don't feel too bad about it myself. Yeah, but uh, you're, you're talking to at least 270,000 users that may have been compromised in this leak. So it's a pretty pretty good size leak. I can't imagine Trading Paints has you know way more than that. No, I think that sounds like all of them, if you think about it. That's probably every iRacer that over all 15 years that has ever used trading paints. Even though we don't have that many active now, I mean, that's how many have been through the service, you know. Um, this is a sensitive topic. Um, based, I saw a Facebook group where an iRacer posted up that he has been permanently suspended from iRacing for reposting on social media the actual data where people could see it, like screenshot of it or something like to that effect. I don't know. But he was out, you know, forthcoming. Yeah, I thought, you know, I didn't even think twice about it. I put this out on social media. I'm telling you guys, be careful what you do or you could be permanently suspended. Yeah, I, I saw that, uh, Mike, and uh, that was that was a no joke uh, type of deal. You are not ever going to race on iRacing ever again. Don't try another pa another login. Don't try using somebody else's account because they'll get suspended too. It was pretty harsh. It was like, do not come back ever. <laughs> Which means they've locked in his IP address and are not going to let that one go. Yeah, so that's not something to joke around with. I mean, we've seen how social media can have a negative effect on people. You look at, um, you know, the NASCAR Cup driver who lost his job recently for liking a tweet. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you have to be careful what you're reposting, retweeting, you know, whatever you want to call it. You know, and I can I can almost put my my you know put myself in his shoes you know maybe in you know in some way in his mind he thought he was trying to warn people about it by sending that social media post uh but i don't know i didn't see what he actually posted you know i you know people needed to know hey you got to change your password so um you know that's how we all heard about it was through social media so uh you just have to be careful all right, Brian, how about iRacing helps Turner Motorsports? Yeah, Mike, um, I'm going to, might need a little help with this because I didn't get the entire gist of it, but Turner, Turner Motorsports tweeted out uh, a 
uh, thank you to Steve Myers for my racing, and uh, basically saying that um, that uh, that they really helped him um, get his uh, sim racing techniques and use it towards uh, getting a podium finish in the real world. Is, is that the gist of this one, Mike? Yeah, when you open it up on the actual Twitter, you'll see it's a reply to a. a earlier tweet from BMW M Motorsports. And so what happened is uh, their team at VIR basically won the race with crazy fuel saving. And the driver, um, I didn't catch his name. The driver gave 100% of the credit to his sim racing experience on iRacing to get him that crazy fuel mileage. Robbie Foley? Foley, yeah, Robbie, yeah, that's B- it, Foley. BM- BMW factory driver. Okay, so that's, that's really cool because, you know, we've, we've heard stories of uh, professional drivers, real-world drivers saying that they've used iRacing, you know, for driving lines or breaking points or learning tracks. Um, but I don't think I've ever heard a, a, um, a real-world driver give credit to iRacing for um, learning different fuel management uh, strategies. You could practice that. You could say, okay, I'm doing, you know, 44 laps at Darlington as my normal pace on fuel. Uh, crew chief says, I want you to stretch that to 50. So you, so you go out and run a run and you try to make it to 50 and you have to figure out where you back off. Do you clutch it, Greg? You know, you back off early. There's a lot of, you never go 100% on the throttle. You only go 80%. There's lots of ways of doing it. Well, and the thing here is, like, even with all this, is like, you know, you kind of feel like, you know, they have the data at BMW and Turner Motorsports will have some data of their car. And then, you know, how well does it translate to what it is in iRacing? But they can kind of gauge it, you know, this is what iRacing's data number is, this is what their data number is. So they can kind of just use that as a percentage to try and figure out how he, you know, where he's can save more money or sorry, no, save more fuel. Um, uh, and, you know, translate it to the world, the real world. And maybe, you know, maybe he learned in that time too, he could, you know, the, that saying of sometimes going slower, you, you makes you go faster, right? You, you back up your corners and suddenly you're getting on the gas earlier than ever. And yeah, you get faster. That's really cool. Um, you know, the the tracks are, are laser scanned. We all know that. So the tracks are very accurate to real life. But in this instance, you know, not only do you have to have the track down, but you also have the fuel consumptions of the cars pretty much nailed to what real world is. Um, you have to use, you know, how much, you know, throttling back affects your fuel mileage all has to be pretty accurate in order for this to translate to the real world. So that's a, it's a real good, um, it's a real good, uh, thumbs up for not just how well the tracks are um, rendered in, in iRacing, but how, how well the engineering and the performance of the cars is modeled in iRacing as well. Mike, I don't know if you're going to mileage. Yeah. I don't know if you're going to get to this part too. Steve replied to that one that we've kind of just talked about here um, saying that he's, he will, he will get back to his team and let him know uh, the kind words. Uh, but he said he might send a video crew to uh, down to the 
I guess, uh, Turner Motorsports uh, facility. And if you interview their guys, and then they wanted to get up there to see their new shop as well. And Turner Motorsport or Turner Motorsports uh, replied, yes, yes, and yes. Didn't Turner Motorsports uh, provide a car to scan one of the cars? I think they did. Yeah, they're the that's the or the yellow and blue the BMW, BMW right? GT4, I believe it is. Right. Yeah. So Steve Myers from iRacing obviously has a relationship. He sees a potential for a video. I saw a potential for a story to talk about with the fuel saving for sure. So yeah, uh, pretty cool. Well, you know what that also does is like say, you know, say down the road too. Um, these are things that, you know, they're creating relationships with teams, right? So say down the road, maybe they switch manufacturers or they switch, um, you know, something or they're in a different class and they, they're in a different manufacturer or a different type of car. It just lends themselves to um, getting help to scan another car down the road or get some data from it too, right? Exactly, you know, keep that relationship fresh. All right, I got this one. Is Arca the best car? We have a video from the DJ EJ. Uh, explains why he likes the Gen 4 and the Arca car the best, which are kind of the same car, right? They just took the restrictor plate off and called it Gen 4. And the reason he likes this series, and he, he pretty much runs this series a lot, he or the most, it's short. It has no yellow. Um, you're done in 20, 25 minutes, you know, depending on what track it is. Uh, it, it pays to people who save tires correctly to make the whole run, you know, to last the whole run. Because uh, you got those people that burn them off in the first few laps like me. Uh, but he has, you know, it, it really pays off being smooth um, and keeping momentum up which can pay off on other cars. So he had all these different reasons about why he likes the Arca Fix series. Yeah, I, th I thought I like, he also said like that. Like he... <laughs> Sorry, Dave. Uh, let me finish up real quick. I think he also said that he liked that um, these cars, can, you can move them around a little bit as far as uh, getting, getting them loose. You know, you're on the edge a little bit more, so you can get them the, the um, edge. As you get them around to help you turn a little bit better than you can in some of the other cars. He does have a good point. Out the back, uh, a few yeah. good points in there. But I, I, I prefer the long, long run races when they turn into long runs because th then you really have to save tires. Um, and that can be a factor in the next gen sometimes at places like Darlington. So it's good to see DJ. Yeah, uh, he he mentioned in his post that he hasn't been posting for a few for a while because he was on vacation. And then when he got back from vacation, he was he was sick for a little while. So um, he was he was one of the guys who we were really starting to get into his videos. Uh, it's good to see good to see him back. But yeah, he makes some good points. Um, Arca cars are are, are also um, they're they're fun. They're difficult to race on. Uh, race tracks or strict or super speedways because they don't they don't you can't push so it gets it's a little bit here in those types of races as well all right uh we're a little out of order this next video we actually have doubled down below so we're going to skip that and go on to e nascar finale back to the hall of fame 
uh, and it's been announced by iRacing uh, and NASCAR. Uh, the Dale Earnhardt Jr. Cup and a $100,000 prize will be awarded to the 2023 Series Champion. And you can watch in person at the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Limited seating open to the public. Now, if you can go to this event, you have to get a ticket. Uh, free tickets are available at tickets at iRacing.com. You need to send an email. You know, if I was closer, I would go. This sounds like so much fun. Just to watch how it goes down, you know, to be in the audience, cheer, check out the rigs, talk to people. It sounds like a blast. Yeah, so this is the second year they did this, right? Um if I'm not mistaken, and uh, last year we followed it live, and we I think we 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 all watched it together, and uh, it was really well done. We had some neat conversations about you know people uh, bringing their rigs to North Carolina who who weren't from the area and all that kind of stuff, or you know if somebody was going to be racing on something they're not used to. So uh, really cool that they're doing it again because this should be witnessed in person. I think. I mean, it's a it's a fairly big deal i uh, um and other esports do these this kind of thing live and in person in arenas or whatever i think uh, i think this is something that iRacing should look at doing more if it's possible do you think we should do the watch along again this year mike yeah yeah and then maybe this time we'll invite our listeners to join us in discord instead of just a team um yeah, so you guys want to listen to it with us and uh, join the conversation. Uh, plan on getting in Discord for that. It'll be September 26th on a Tuesday night. Let's move on to the Coke race itself. It was at Dover. I got to watch parts of this. I was kind of busy working on a broken clothes washer, but um, Nick Audinger uh, wins it and finally gets a win this year. But what timing! Uh, when you win right at this point of the playoffs, guess what? You're in the final four. But I believe he got in on points, uh, you know, as far as the championship battles go. And now that he's got the win, boom, he makes it. So is that two guys in now or one? No, that's two. The The guy before who won is in. Garrett, Garrett, Garrett Lowe. Garrett yes. Right. So Garrett Lowe and now... Uh, Ottinger and Ottinger was fast all night. I mean, we had different groups of cars up front, depending on, you know, fuel strategy and tire strategy kind of thing. So. So how many more races do they have before the final one more? Should be two Mm -hmm. more. Two more? Two more. And then the final. Right. So we only have three left. So right now, uh, Steven Wilson is in third place in points um, to make the final. Final four and Jordy Lopez is in fourth in the final four. So, um, I mean, the, the points are obviously really close right now. Winning is is idea to to make that final four, obviously, because uh, the point the point to point your way in is going to be really difficult, especially with uh, two spots already locked up with uh, with the winners. They had a wreck on lap one in the back of the field. It was kind of comical. But, uh, yeah, I didn't get to see a lot, so I can't talk about the actual racing, but uh, congrats to Nick. Yeah, and, and uh, just to tell you how important that, that win is, um, without that win, Nick is sitting in sixth place. Um, I think sixth place in points if he doesn't get that win. Yeah, no way he advances, right? 
No, sorry, he's in seventh place without that win. Yeah, you pretty much have to win in this part of the to to get in. But now Garrett Lowe, I, I now it's coming back to me. He was actually um, running really good in this race, and he actually led a bunch of it. Um, and he came in with zero laps practice. Why? Because he's practicing for the final race. He's already putting in the time to get his set ready for that. So he literally came into Dover without a lap, and then he ended up running really, good, really well. But yeah. Ottinger had a little bit more speed. Yeah, that is definitely the advantage of winning and winning early in the this playoff format. You know, once you know you're in, it doesn't matter how the next three races go. You can focus strictly on uh, on the last race of the season. I, was it as a Phoenix? or is it a, a different there's, track? Actually, there's only two there's only two races left homestead it is like the schedule there's uh phoenix and homestead are the only two races left right okay so homestead well then i guess only one more could win their way in yeah so there's going to be one point in and possibly one more win in or two points in cool hey greg how about some more new content for next week this is uh was announced by kevin harvick actually yeah, so we got a video on the iRacers Twitter or X page, um, Kern uh, uh, County Speedway, or Raceway Park, I guess I call it. Um, it was a quick uh, video. It was nice to see. Um, I guess they got four configurations. I've never heard of this track until I saw the video, and I thought, looking at it, I'm like, oh, it's nice that they have four configurations for this track, and uh, it looks like it'll be fun with uh, the short track cars. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, we saw it's pictures a... last week, I think. Yeah, and then we saw this is the video of actual track, you know, cars on the track, which is looks really cool. I like that it has you know the the big outside track with they got the dirt and the asphalt and then they got the little legends track for dirt and asphalt too, right? Yeah, inner and outer. Which kind of looks, you know, a little sketchy because of that wall in between them. Like you thinking, oh man, they're gonna hit that that wall in between them, but uh, yeah. Where where is this track located? California. In California. Oh, okay. that, oh, that, that explains why Harvick endorsed it. So he grew it's up his on. home yep. track. This is where yeah. he came up. Yeah, and and so when iRacing initially announced it, I think Harvick actually put out a tweet or at the same moment or something so yeah that's why i was saying he announced it all right i got the next one more new content iRacing shows off their newest entry into the nascar legacy 87 series and it's the pontiac this is uh from uh petty's garage so you recall when uh dale jr was looking for cars to scan for this series uh, Petty's Garage was quick to raise their hand and say, hey, we got one right here. And so my understanding is this is that car. I love the way the look of this car looks. It kind of reminds me of like a hatchback before the hatchbacks because it's got the long glass out the back. It's so nice looking. I, I, I'm, I'm definitely when I'm going to run those some of those 87 races. Um, this would definitely going to be my car of choice. I was going to say that bubble glass sticking out. That's a topic idea. Bubble glass is sticking out of the back on the back window. I mean, when you see the side view, 
the glass goes from like the top greenhouse part all the way back to the spoiler uh almost straight but the frame of the car is like a normal you know cut and so yeah it looks like bubble glass i feel like there's like an aerodynamic advantage that pontiac tried to get back then with that car i think you're right i think it probably does help yeah i think it's trying to get more air off of that rear spoiler and make it go around it but this just uh this kind of just shows like i feel like um this is where we kind of lose an era of like we got these cars coming in with all their awesome body types i feel like if we got the old like pontiac uh maybe the chevy lumina and the you know the thunderbird back in the early to mid 90s or later 90s would be an awesome era to get to because um you know i relate more of that for when i'm being a jeff gordon fan but when i first started growing up with the you know the rainbow warrior car and the early monte carlos and stuff like that so we have a guy who commented on the instagram post called rodney ns and he says 1993-ish cars next maybe the lumina the thunderbird or the grand prix etc because there's a because what there's you were one, saying well there's one car that stands out in my head that i think of when i think of like what if it if you think of your ford your money color or lumina or pontiac i think of the x-side car well i think of the x-side car from jeff burton when he drove the 99 car when it was a thunderbird and then it went to the taurus or um the pontiac for bobby Lavani. It, it's pretty cool. I mean, they could have just stopped with this four, three or four, you know, 87 cars they have, but hey, let's add a fifth. <laughs> and there's more. I think, I think Dale's planning other cars besides this. Isn't this the fourth? Is this the fourth or fifth? This will be fifth. I think we already added a fourth. Because we the have. The Buick was the fourth. I think that was the third. third. No, the Buick was the third. Oh, and this was, was it? Okay. Okay. But you're probably right. I would love to see. I actually never did look it up to see how many manufacturers competed in 87. Yeah, we want them all. <laughs> all right, Brian, how about an iRacing 15 anniversary series wrap up? Yeah, so if you remember, um, iRacing is, was doing a, uh, a series to celebrate their 15-year anniversary by using four of the original uh, cars that uh, iRacing came out with 15 years ago. And it was a four-week series, and if you, compete, if you completed a, a race in all four of the weeks, then you would be eligible for some pretty cool prizes. As a matter of fact, 15, 15 prizes were $1,000 in iRacing credit which is pretty good. I think there was a grand prize too, I think, but I, I don't remember for sure. I think that was like the the unlimited unlock everything they said, prize. They said it initially before, I think you're right, they said there would be a grand prize, but this post doesn't mention the grand prize. It just mentions the 15 random winners who did all four races or four weeks I was one of those people. I did uh, participate in all four to try to get this. They got $1,000 iRacing credits. I'm going to read off the short list real quick. And hopefully some of our listeners are in this list. We got Ada Wolf, Travis Ingerson, Jonathan Jordan, Peter Brennan, Grant Holcomb, Jack Russell, Will Reichard, Rebecca Davin, Patsy Ahopto, Sebastian McNulty, Travis Clausen, Eric Finson, Michael Proper, Dario Frattini, Michael Gudger, 
Yeah, so well done. Um, in in the post, they were saying that it was like about four hundred and seventy people that that completed all four races. So, I mean, that's a you know fifteen chances out of four hundred and fifty people. It's pretty good odds. Sorry, sorry you weren't one of them, Mike. But um, but uh, you had some pretty good odds to to win that prize. I figured the odds would be good. I, I, you know, every, you know, who's going to do all four weeks, you know, they'll forget about it, this and that. So that's why I did it. I never win stuff like this, but anyway, it was fun to run those cars and just reminisce about, you know, when back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there was a, there was a forum post thread where um, somebody was in there asking if they had done the drawing yet if they knew the names yet and uh somebody finally posted them and said hey dude the guy who was asking the question in the forum post was one of the winners and it was pretty cool it's like dude you won you're one of the winners he probably had the thousand in his credits and then he's like is this real i'm gonna go check you know the other yeah. thing uh, they put out to finish up the week was a uh, slideshow on a YouTube video with some music. This a slideshow of pictures, uh, images uh, over the 15 years of iRacing. Uh, there's a lot of mix of uh, early artwork from the very early days, the very first car, the Skip Barber. Uh, Dale Jr., back as a young lad with his first, you know, uh, wheel set up, looked like a Logitech. Lots of neat images. Um, so if you're interested, just take a couple minutes and watch this. It's pretty cool. Oh, the nostalgia of the COT car with the wing. When it had the wing before it put the spoiler back on. So um, yeah. iRacing did their deposits uh, a few days ago for uh, their one year, uh, $1 per year um, anniversary crest. Did you guys check and see if you got yours yet? I got mine. I got 11 bucks. I got 14. I got 13. So cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, just to go back, or sorry, just to go back a second there, Mike, uh, to the, the segment about the 87 series cars, there's only one car left that they have that competed in 1987 that hasn't been scanned, and it's the Oldsmobile. And didn't they didn't they pick the Buick LeSabre because it basically was the same thing as the Oldsmobile? I think that's one of the reasons why they went with that before they went to this final uh, Pontiac. Well, there was only two teams in 1987 that competed with the uh, uh, Buick or the Oldsmobile. No, was it? Yeah, the Oldsmobile had two two teams, and the Buick had a lot more. So I'm guessing that's why they pulled from that catalog. Well, if the cars are have the identical look, yeah, we could be done probably <laughs> getting cars. Okay, Brian, how about World of Outlaw late models? Yeah, so uh, the World on Late World of Outlaws Blood Kicker Late Model Series was at Eldora this past week, uh, and uh, it's out that uh, we had a repeat winner, but it wasn't one you might have thought of. It's Ken Hawker picks up his second win of the of the season. Um, second place went to Evan C, who again continues his podium finish streak, going back to the beginning of last year, which is now reaching uh, 17 races straight podium finishes. Um, Blake Majulis finished third in the race. Um, the, um, the all three of those guys, the, the first, second, and third, are all teammates. Um, 
it's actually Majulis C Speed Speed Shop, I think it is called. They're all teammates, so which meant a couple things. They were all respectful to each other because they're not going to um, take any crazy um, moves to try to get by uh, their teammate. Um, Evan C was really trying to pass. Um, Kendall Tucker to get this win, but um, just could not could not pull it off. Uh, the high line was definitely dominant as it typically is at Eldora, um, and Evan C would try to go low and try to and try to get ahead of him uh, coming off the corner, but he was just carrying too much speed off of the top line and just couldn't get by. Um, and it was actually a really close finish. They were uh, just a you know half a car distance from uh, from each other at the at the at the finish line. Um, so uh, week eight or I'm sorry, week nine next week is at uh, Lincoln Speedway. So this will be the first time the late models will be at Lincoln. Um, and Evan C is just carrying a monster lead into that uh, final two weeks. Um, no, uh, There's no way. Uh, there's no yeah, way. I mean, it's a it's a 72 point lead right now. That's already that's I think that's more than what you can get in one race. So um, almost I think 78 points might be the tops if you win the heat and feature. So he's almost a full race points ahead of second place. But uh, it's still interesting to see if he can continue his um, his podium finish streak uh, and wrap this thing up probably next week if he if he gets another good finish. Really good racing. Again. Again, uh, Eldora Speedway was, is a lot of fun. And uh, so uh, two more races to go. It looks like Evan C is definitely going to be cruising to his next championship. You know, Kendall Tucker is doing everything he can do. I mean, he can he's winning the race. But when right. the points leader comes in second right behind you, you're not gaining on him. Yeah, <laughs> you, know you, what I mean? you, gain, you gain three points. That's it. By, by right. It's like he'll <laughs> never <laughs> dig into that 70, 80 points, whatever it yeah. is. Oh, my. One thing I wanted to talk about real quick that I never really got a chance to talk to about this series, um, as a, and I'm going to compare it a little bit to the Coke series. There's a lot higher amount of drivers in this series that use VR compared to Coke. I don't know if anybody does VR in the Coke series. I, there's there's got to be at least half of these drivers are in VR. Now I don't know if it's because you know um, you know with the way these cars hang out you might need to be able to see a little bit more to this to your left or as you're making these turns because the car's not always pointing the right way um or if it's um they don't need as quite as much data as you might need on on a, in a coke series with longer runs and, and more tire wear and stuff like that more drivers on the track but I just thought it was kind of curious because a lot of the times they do go to those shot, uh, shots of the drivers during the race, and a lot of them are using v VR. Yeah, I would have say it's got to have some kind of advantage for the dirt racing. So that's why they're most of them are doing it. Got to be. As you look at the comparison, like you said, to you know the pavement professionals and very few, if if none of them, are using VR. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if it's it's it's. I'm sure if it was an advantage, they would do it or not do it based on whether what was the best advantage. Um, but Evan does it. I know uh, Blake Majulis does it. A lot of the guys are in there in VR. All right, I'll take this one. I'm very excited about Draft Master. After the success of the Ringmeister series, which was uh, different cars on the same track. 
We're now going to do the same thing in ovals, but we're going to do Daytona and Talladega restrictor plate racing, basically, with a mix of oval cars. And this will debut in season four after week 13. It will affect SR and IR. Um, it'll be truck, car of tomorrow, Xfinity, 87s, Gen 4, Next Gen, uh, and so forth. Uh, so the cars will repeat um, twice, each car, uh, once at Daytona, once at Talladega. That's right. It's, so it's six weeks um, right off the bat at Daytona, and then they switch over to the second six weeks at, at Talladega. Did um did they mention if I'm assuming it's um fixed or is this open setup? Did they did they mention that? I don't think it says, but I think it's fixed. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it would but make a huge difference. <laughs> okay, I don't know if it yeah. make a huge difference being fixed or uh, just in qualifying. I think makes the biggest difference in fixed for super speedways. I don't think the racing itself makes a big difference. And it's uh, 20 laps, right? 20 races, no yellows. Um, so it's going to be flat yeah. out. Qualifying is going to be pretty big. Yeah. Um, I look at this as a two-edged sword. I'm like, hmm, I can farm some I-rating here. I can I can get to that, some wins. I, you know, I'm trying to get to win 100 this year. <laughs> this might be a way to get some uh, quick official wins, you know, a quick 20-lap race, you know? So there's that side of it. Like I'm going to grow my I rating, but then you, you're like, wait a minute, 20 lap, no caution, going to be a freaking throw. You know what I mean? <laughs> what, what's the, uh, what's the protest to race ratio that have come out of this series? Oh my. So the, the only problem, Mike, is, you know, your, your increase in, in I rating might be adversely, uh, you know, inverted for your SR rating. That might be the issue. So, yeah. So the, the day after I was thinking, oh, my, I, you know, if I start this series, I could lose my, all my IR, you know, very quickly. You know, 130 a pop. You know, you have one big wreck and finish dead last. You know, that's 130 I rating. Boom. I, uh, Mike, I look at this like going to a casino. If you're going to start bleeding I-rating, you got to know when you get I-rating and safety rating. You got to know when to get out and stop doing that before you run out of it. Or you lose a license class and you're not in the NIS races anymore. I'm in a weird position because I'm running for the championship in NIS against Tom. He's 3,400 and I'm 2600 i rating so he's making way more points than i am even if we have the same finish and so i'm going to lose this championship because of my i rating and so this series you know can i farm it or am i going to lose my ass in it i need to figure that out and and uh man if i can farm it i need to take advantage of this so i can win the championship or i'll go into this series and you know, get wrecked a few times and uh, and earn even less points against Tom. Take twenty bucks to the casino, and once it's gone, it's gone. Don't don't keep going. So, what's the first uh, week? That'll probably determine how I go. Trucks, truck series. Trucks at Daytona. Oh. Trucks, yeah. You don't even you don't even get to the next gen till week six. The legacy car of tomorrow will be absolutely crazy. The, the truck is probably my least favorite car the, on the list. 
Well, we so, know if you and if you get out out front in the eighty-seven, if you're in the lead, you'll spin off of one of the corners. Yeah, so maybe I should selectively do it depending on what car it is. Like I'll do the next gen. We're we're we're, we're talking like off the ledge here on which ones to do. Talk, I mean, I'll do car. I'm really good at car tomorrow, so I, I I'd probably excel at that. And then and next gen probably Xfinity truck, and I probably suck. What about the um, 87s? You're you're pretty good at those, right? That's what we just well, like. I get out front, and I'll spin it out. He yeah, spins that's it out every time he's out front. Um, the the ARCA cars uh, we talked about this and DJ EJ who um, did a video about this new Draftmaster series talks about it too the the uh, the Gen Four which is the ARCA car body you cannot push you try to push them you just spin the guy in front of you so if <laughs> I can imagine you know twenty you know thirty cars trying to win a twenty lap feature race where you can't push how crazy that could be. Well, the good thing is, is the Gen 4 is before the next gen series, so you're not thinking, oh, I was in the next gen the week before, I can push real hard and then get into the Gen 4 and go, uh-oh. And so, um, DJ EJ is very excited about this series. It's right up his alley, like we talked about before. He loves the short 20-lap ARCA races and stuff, no caution. That's exactly what this is. Kind of reminds you- me of back, oops, sorry, it kind of reminds me back when you used to run the rookie legends and stuff like that quick quick races but uh then you can move on are they did they say what time periods they're at yet i thought i saw it somewhere but we don't have it on the script um i think it was three time slots american friendly one right after the other in the evening on i think a tuesday thursday and another day i forget so it's not like every couple hours or anything like that it's not no it's it's a limited uh race it's not like nis where there's just one but there was like three in the evening you know so that kind of makes it friendly for all the different time zones it also makes it more sought after too because if it was every all day every couple hours it would kind of lose its luster probably too I think it was signed up, lined up where you could actually run like three in a row, you know, if you wanted to. But I can't find the information right now. I don't know where I saw that. All right, Greg, how about iRacing and the FIA? Well, I was going to look, I was looking through this one. Um, so we already have this car, right, Mike? The, uh, this is, I mean, is this one you can F4, keep? F4, yeah. Yeah. yeah so oh, yeah. Uh, the F4. Uh, they're making an F4, F4 eSports regional tour. Um, the FI announced it. They're going to partnership with iRacing like they've already done um, and collaborate, sorry, I guess, with the with iRacing. Um, and uh, this will be a, a regional series. Um, just bringing up the article here. They... Um, when does it start here? So they, they started this series. I guess there was a, there was was there something already started this year, Mike? Well, so we had the FIA in season three with the F four series, but it was just like in name only. There wasn't really anything to it. Now what we're going to do is they're going to race as four different regions. So there's two European regions: the Americas and Asia Pacific. And so they're splitting Europe into two, um, and then there'll be, like I said, America and then Asia Pacific. So that way you're going to be grouped, apparently, um, you know, racing for your region. 
Okay, so uh, races might... will take place Wednesday and Thursday. Oh, this is what I was talking about. Maybe I was thinking about this instead of the uh, Draftmeister. Uh, this says races will take place on Wednesday and Thursday at 7, 9, and 11 p.m. in time zones appropriate for each region. Okay, so if you're in the uh, Americas, it's going to be in those type of time zones for that area? Right, so in Americas, I think it would be 7, 9, and 11 p.m. Eastern. It's going to be interesting to see how popular i don't know how popular was the when the fia first announced that they're going to partnership but i wonder how popular this series will be right off the bat it kind of the fia being in this kind of makes me wonder down the road what more gets brought to iRacing having that partnership because we kind of don't see a lot of the open wheel we have open wheel cars but we don't have a lot of partnerships with um We've got the Mercedes partnership with F1, but it's kind of just like down the road after the car becomes obsolete. Um, does this ever open up to actually having a series that's legitimately a car, you know, that's not a couple years old type thing? Yeah, perhaps. You know, it, it's it's moving forward. That's good. You know, they're they're taking taking it to the next level. That's the way I see it. But I, you know, it's kind of neat that iRacing is able to group the points into these new regions that are, I think, different than the regular regions we normally would use, right? I remember back when I first started, it was a big deal to race for, you know, your region in certain events, you know, and you go to the website and you look at points, there's even a column for, you know, your regional points. Nowadays, nobody gives a crap about regional points. Doesn't mean nothing. Yeah, and this is not racing for your region. It's racing within your region against other people in your region. Right, because the time is in your time zone. So even though it's probably open registration to everybody, you're, you're going to be racing people that are in your country or in, around you, so to speak. You know, I was thinking, uh, I, I'm kind of open on Thursday nights after the recording that maybe I would run this F4 on a Thursday night on that 9 p.m. Um, or 11 p.m. time slot. And so I might do this once a week. I've been trying to find a series that I can kind of dabble in on the road and I kind of got away from it for a bit. And so this might be it. This might be what I try. Okay. And next up is events. Um, Greg, I'll let you talk about this one because you've run it before. The Bathurst 1000. Uh, yeah, so this one is usually one that David and I kind of try and get past the first, what, two hours of it, David? Nah, we haven't tried it in a while because I do not like it in that car. Anyway, so uh, the the Bathurst 1000 is coming up. Uh, what weekend is it? It is on, is it this Saturday? 16th and 17th of September. Okay. So um, they still have their normal time slots. Uh, Saturday, uh, 3 o'clock GMT. Saturday, 7 o'clock GMT. Saturday, 12 o'clock GMT. And then Saturday, 1600 GMT. Um, so they got Australian server for the first time slot. The other three servers are U.S. servers. Um, Supercars are the cars. Yep, supercars. Uh, I wonder 
when we're going to get the new supercars that have been developed too. We haven't got, we're on an older version once again with the way that they have a car of tomorrow for the supercars as well. Um, but here nor there. Uh, so it's starting at 10.40 a.m. is the race time. Um, it's 161 laps. It's a long race. I love this track. Just never never get a real good chance to run it uh, for the full distance yet. You uh, have the supercars, Greg? I do. Yeah, I do. I think uh, what's hard about this track is there's a lot of places where there's zero runoff. You make a mistake going down the hill, you're done. Yeah, one mistake, it's over. It's There's... The only grassy area would be once you get down to the lower section coming down the hill, but even then you have too much speed to even scrub that off from not hitting an object out there. It's also your favorite spots down at the bottom of that hill, Mike, where you do your jumps. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's fun to do. That's that's what I end up doing when I go to that track. I usually, oh, let's see if we can land this thing on those wheels. podcast housekeeping don't forget to leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us mention the podcast in your races to fellow drivers so they don't miss out we appreciate it get involved in the discord we have a website iracerslounge.com where you can see the show script and we have a new website iracerslounge.gop that's right, guys. Merchandise is finally here. Thank you to David Hall for project managing. Uh, thanks to Bobby Jonas for the artwork. We have proper merchandise for order. Uh, if you go to iracerslounge.shop, that'll redirect you to the, the shop where we're partnering with. Um, there's shirts, there's hats, there's jerseys, there's giant mouse pad. There's a beanie cap. There's a flat bill cap. Um, you name it. So get your iRacers Lounge merch. You can just get a sticker. They even have just a simple sticker to put on your car. Um, so we've been around a long time. I've always wanted to do merchandise. We just been, I've been lazy myself to make it happen. David made it happen pretty darn quick. So congratulations to you. Yeah, so go buy stuff. Uh, a lot of neat designs. Um, it's the traditional graphics and a couple of the jerseys. Uh, you can actually get your name on them if you want to actually have it like a jersey. So you can be a part of it. You can basically kind of be a team iRacers Lounge with the jersey and everything. If you leave your name off of the entry, it'll uh, it just leaves that field blank. But it, that option is there for anybody who wants it. And that was actually uh, Tony Rochette's idea. Yeah, and it puts your flag on one uh, shoulder. Um, I think it, we have Sim Wraps, are one of our sponsors, on one shoulder. The other shoulder is the United States flag or whatever flag you pick when you order. So yeah, it's a it's a proper jersey. The colors are great. Um, the design is great. Um, I'm gonna place an order for a bunch of stuff. Actually, I'm gonna order several items. Um, and you know some of those items are probably going to go to our fantasy winner too so let's jump to fantasy brian all right so 
the winner of the week at Daytona was Dollars and Cents took the win. Iracing Mason finished second with Res Dog finishing third. Um, low point numbers, which is not unusual for a plate track. 204 points for Dollars and Cents with the win. Um, not too many uh, Tafosi guys were <laughs> were in the top 10 on this one, unfortunately. I think we have to go all the way to, man, it looks like 13th. Um, no, uh, sorry. Uh, Tyler Williamson and Tony Rochette tied for 17th. Um, not, not, not great showing by us this week. Um, I didn't put my picks in. I forgot because uh, of the race starting early and I didn't even get to watch it because football preempted the, the coverage on my, my uh, network. Um, so I, I did terrible, but I did beat Donnie Spiker, who had one point. So Donnie, congratulations, Donnie. I don't know how you even get one point, but Donnie did it. Good job, buddy. That means I have not done my picks. That means I haven't done my picks in like 10 weeks, and I still beat Donnie. Well, I was just going to say Donnie must have had one of his drivers that was in his queue got 10th in one of the stages, and that was it. But it should have still given him points for the race. Ethan. It may not be. It may not use your. Once you run out of picks for your driver, it may just drop them off and not replace them. Maybe. Yeah, that's what it does. If you if you have drivers that you've used up all your all your time with, you just don't get anything for that. All right. So Daytona was Daytona. What about next week? Who do we like there? We like. I'm gonna uh, say Chase Elliott. <laughs> after after the points <laughs> after the playoffs are wrapped up after Chase it's too late yeah now Chase will do it maybe I feel like don't forget, Ross. I feel like don't forget though Chase brother. is still in the sorry the delay is messing us up but Chase is still in the owner's points that's true yeah I feel like the Hendrick cars will just you know they always come alive in the playoffs and Byron's got a good lead, so he kind of can race a little bit differently. But Larson's kind of been quiet. He's been just getting finishes the last little bit. Larson's really good at Dover running the high, or sorry, Darlington running the high line. Um, I mean, Joey's a good candidate for a win there. Uh, who is, I know Eric Jones Eric always Jones. had a chance, but I, that car's just not competitive anymore at all. Maybe when they switch to Toyota next year, but. I just don't see that coming out anywhere. Um, I don't know if any of the dark horses having the first race is Darlington. I don't think any of the dark horses in the bottom of the standings could possibly, but you never know. Harvick, you know, Harvick, uh, is he going to get a win before the year's out before he retires? I think that's what I'm watching for. I don't know if this is the week he'll do it though. Probably Phoenix. Remember he's so good at Phoenix. Well, he had, didn't, it was last year in the playoffs, two, or a couple, was it last year, a couple of years, he was one of the best cars at Bristol, too, and we got that coming up in a couple of weeks. Metro Ford of Chicago delivers to you. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, we have over 160 vehicles in stock. Living large or strapped for cash, good credit, no credit, doesn't matter. It's all good at Metro Ford of Chicago. We offer easy financing and guaranteed credit approval. Visit eMetroFord.com to view our complete inventory. 
and tell them Patrick sent you. Metro Ford of Chicago, serving Chicagoland and beyond for over 35 years. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right, hardware, software, presented by Metro Ford from Chicago. Our first story, Greg, SemiCube Active Pedal Faces, available now. Yeah, so this is a, a Instagram post uh, where they're just uh, bringing out uh, or showing the, the, the new face to their their pedals. Is that what it is, Mike, if I'm correct? Yeah, here, it's I'd... a new uh, face. Yeah, it's a so different design than what you get when you buy it. I, I kind of like, I don't. I don't know if I like a flat faced throttle pedal, but they're, or this is just three different designs they have, but they're kind of, they're kind of cool the way they go with the, the actual design of the, the, the semi cube pet pedals. Um, I actually, it's not bad. Um, I just don't know if I'm spending money on pedals, the, you know, is, is that a market for having different face pedal faces for them? Well, it says here in the post, we've worked closely with the SemiCube Discord members to fine tune and gather feedback for designing our new pedal faces. Okay, so this is kind of like having an upgraded, so like, you know, an option when you're buying them then, instead of like an add-on. Right, it'll be like an add-on or something, right? Or they'll change it permanently, um, perhaps. But notice the white uh, striping, the white stripe. Um, it's got some continuity between the three different pedal faces, if you can see that. Like it's supposed to continue from the brake, the, the white line or stripe continues from the brake right over to the throttle. So it's supposed to look kind of, uh, you know, artsy, I guess. The, the pedal face itself has like small holes kind of embedded, I guess is a way to say it, or small round indentations to help you with grip. Yeah, pretty cool. Still can't afford them. Brian, let's talk about what else we can't afford. Yeah, guys. So uh, if you're in the market for a wheel, uh, <laughs> Porsche is coming out with a new um, GT 911 GT3 wheel. Um, and it's a, it's a sim wheel that Porsche is getting involved with. And um, it's uh, you can have it for the low, low price of $10,475. So this is by far the most expensive wheel I think we've ever seen on, on this show. Um, it's a, it's a not, it's, I wouldn't call it a replica. It like is a Porsche wheel, right? It's, there's really nothing that's different other than it works on a, on a, a simulator instead of their car. Um, I would hope so for that cost, but um, it works with most manufacturers uh, wheel bases. Um, and you know, there's no, no uh, LED, no snow screen or nothing. It's just the Porsche wheel. Holy cow. I mean, last week we talked about a real BMW wheel that Fanatec has, and I think it was $1,500, okay? And you could use it in a real car and all that. Now, this is like the Porsche version. And uh, now in the comments somewhere on one of these posts, I thought I saw you could use it on any wheel uh, with the right QR and such. Um, it, it's cabled, but yeah, the price, holy cow, 10475 This just is so weird because I get kind of flashbacks of 
what the does it not look like the original Fanatec wheel back? Like it looks kind of looking like what Fanatec's original wheels before they got into like the CSLs and stuff like that. Their their old old stuff. It was like it looked kind of looks it kind of looks cheap. It looks I don't dated it's cheap, to me. Yes, it looks it looks very out of date. It looks you're paying obviously for the name. I feel like. I feel like this is is there's like only one target market for this, and it's the Porsche enthusiasts that have that buy like every Porsche 911, even though for every year saying that oh it's different every year, and it's truly not. Right, it's this is for the Porsche collector, but he has a sim rig, and so now he can have his Porsche uh, wheel in the sim rig. Uh, Look, if you line this wheel up uh, against all the other popular wheels that we talk about every week, and you didn't say anything to me and said to pick, I wouldn't pick this one. I mean, it looks dated. The The whole center of it is got no functionality at all. I mean, it's just got the Porsche logo, you know, and that's it. And it reminds me of my grandma's Cadillac, you know, with the big old Cadillac logo in the middle. And Yeah. The buttons aren't anything spectacular. They look, they're pretty plain. I, I don't know if they're backlit or anything. It doesn't look like it in these photos, but they're nothing to write home about, right? I don't get it. Yeah, I don't either. There's a nice stand it looks like it comes with. Well, you know, you right. can show it off. A display stand, yeah. So <laughs> you could take it, keep it off your rig, just display it under glass or something. I don't know. It, it, it's crazy. I don't get it. All right, I'll take the next one. Sim Magic Shifter slash Handbrake. Lawrence Dussalswa, i sorry, I butcher that name every time, reviews the Sim Magic DS8X sequential shifter and the TB1 Handbrake. Um, yeah, so I watched this video. He's very happy. He Okay, he's from the UK, first of all, uh, the, the video guy. And so he mounts all the stuff on the left side instead of the right, like we would here. And and that threw me off a little bit, but um, he's doing some rally and he's using that handbrake and he seems to like it. And um, as far as the sequential shifter, I mean, we've seen reviews on this one before from others and nobody ever has anything to, bad to say about the, the Sim Magic shifter. It seems to be uh, a pretty solid offering. Yeah, um, they're they're really good looking shifters and and um, handbrakes too. Um, easy easy mounting for uh, if you on eighty twenty, really or anything else. And um, you got that option for the H pattern and sequential, which is really cool. Um, yeah, so it's. It's something that you know. I was I've, I've been looking for for one that goes from H pattern to sequential without breaking, which the Fanatec always pretty much always does. This one might be on my list if I if I um, I don't hear too much about a convertible one from from the Bazooka Shifter. So I'm going to keep this in mind for for the future because um, I think it's really really nice. It's one of the better ones I've seen that can can. Uh, can go from H to sequential. And it's got like a, a daub or a, a switch kind of thing on the left side of it to switch it from, you know, H pattern to sequential. So easy switch. It doesn't, there's no like taking it apart or 
putting in a pattern or doing this or that. You just flip the knob and boom, you're, you're up and running. I think he also said if you got both of them that one is longer than the other. So it kind of, you'd have to have two separate pieces to mount it to. Um, they don't line up the, the bottoms of them. But I don't know if I ever am going to get a handbrake. I, I, I just, yeah. Yeah, I don't think so, too. Um, our, our teammate Tyler has talked about getting one, and um, I think he might even have got one, but he does like to do the rally stuff. And, and you know, if, if I was a rally enthusiast, I would definitely get one. But um, for what I do, a handbrake seems a little um, unnecessary. And I think Lawrence likes this one, this handbrake, because of how it's huge. I mean, it's like, a, I want to say, two foot long with a big old handle on the top. So, you, you know, you got your hands on the wheel and he reaches over for it and it's, he's not reaching down. He's just moving his hand to the left off the wheel and the handle's right there. So it's the proper size that a handbrake should be. Right. Right. And that, you don't always see that in handbrakes. They're, they're typically lower, no matter what you do, it's hard to get them up high enough to where you're actually seeing them in some of these cars where they're way up tall. Yeah, I think that's the whole idea is you don't take your hand very far off the wheel. It's right there, you know. Yep, exactly. All right, Brian, how about the MVH Studios GTS Series 2? This one got me drooling. Yeah, MVH Studios reveals a new affordable GTS Series uh, wheel. Um, so they're trying to make uh, sim racing affordable without locking you into an ecosystem. For example, you know, if you get a Logitech, you know, the Logitech comes with a Logitech wheel. You can't change it. Well, now you can because uh, this new uh, MV, uh, MVR Series uh, makes it possible to, um, to use the same wheel on a on uh, entry wheelbase such as a Logitech and then seamlessly connected to a direct drive wheelbase as well. So this one is one that you can switch to a uh, to a Logitech and it's a little nicer wheel I think than the than the stock Logitech that one had. Uh, it's a uh, yeah, oval and nice it's wrapped with a uh, leather leather wrapped uh, wheel um, and it's got a good amount of buttons on it too um, one two six so it's about seven uh, push buttons six buttons six on each side and three rotary knobs on the bottom so a good amount of buttons as well price only 199.90 pounds or is that pounds or euros i think it's pounds that's cheap. I mean, $200? Holy cow. I mean, and then when you order it, you can pick either the Logitech, uh, Thrustmaster, Fanatec, Moza, or SemiCube. The, the other thing, this is 320 millimeter round wheel. Okay, so that's a, that's a pretty good size, guys. I, that's like a 15-inch wheel. Um, now, the leather, I, I love the leather. I, now, is it a fake leather? I don't know. But the wheel definitely looks like it's a, a dark leather. And then it's got the orange stitching on the inside of it. Uh, it's got a really neat kind of classic look to it. Yeah, it does. It does yeah. yeah, nice and clean. It's got a good, clean look to it. Not overly, uh, overly excessive, you know. And but like you said, for for the money, it's 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 really really worth something. Looking looking into something like this, if you're if you want to upgrade what you got, and uh, you know, and uh, not, not sure if there's any other options for you, this is a good this is a good deal. 
Yeah, now this is a new company I don't think we've talked about, the MBH Studios. Um, and they have a few other products here, um, but that's really the one that stands out is that wheel. So yeah, I, when I first saw it, I'm like, ooh, this looks nice. Because nowadays when we see wheels, they're road wheels. We don't see a lot of oval wheels. You know, there's not a lot of choice for oval. And so it's nice to see this is a pure round wheel doesn't have the flat bottom and all that so you could go the route i i, I went where you go buy a actual nascar wheel rim you know from max pappas or you know get something like this where, where it's got the paddles and the buttons and the display and everything it's almost a better value you think about it this is 200 bucks i spent over 400 bucks just on that rim with n none of that no buttons no display no paddles well, wouldn't you be mad, though, if you uh, spent your, that much money on a triple setup and then you had this thing happen? So you're talking about the triple tragedy Travis Mays posted up in the Facebook post in Sim Racing Group. He said, my dad built me a chassis years ago, and I've been trying to add it to it and make it work as I've upgraded things. Well, I tried to add triples a few days ago and came home to this today. Luckily, no monitors were damaged. So he shows a picture below that literally shows the triple kind of stagged forward and fell onto the seat, like the whole upright that held the, all the monitors kind of just uh, bent in the middle, bent forward. Yeah, so looks like the problem that he had there was that he connected it to a, a tubular frame, and uh, it looks like it just was too much weight. With the, it looks like he's got direct drive wheel, triple monitors all hooked up to this, you know, this tubular chain, uh, tubular uh, frame, and uh, you know it's probably just clamped on, and it just it was just too much weight, Christmas. and it just rotated yeah. and wrote and fell right down onto his seat, basically, um, not not good no but he said he said it was no damage before. yeah no damage so that's good and uh he says so with that um anyone still on the chassis because he's looking to get a a, a a proper chassis which which um with with what he's got there you know he really should get a, a proper chassis yeah that was interesting all right uh i got this one we got almium they offer steering wheels, dashboards, button boxes, and more out of Spain. I came across this website. I uh, thought I'd mention it. Um, they sell all kinds of stuff here. And they have the all these different wheels, like, I don't know, eight of them, seven of them. Uh, road wheels, oval wheels, it's one with a display, most of them without. They range from 400 up to 700 uh i've never seen these before so these are custom to them as far as i know uh the brand says amu haven't heard of that brand but i think that's their own brand perhaps so i think they actually manufacture these yeah i think they got I button think boxes right. yeah so yeah you're right i think i think this is a company that manufactures their own products um and uh yeah some some interesting designs that's for sure i got a couple oval wheels with uh with some interesting button layouts with it some some uh butterfly wheels um so yeah it, 
I don't. I haven't seen any pricing yet. Did you see that, Mike? Well, yeah. So like the button boxes are two fifty up to three hundred. The button boxes are look pretty good, actually. I'm kind of impressed with the layout on some of these. Like this one's to match an R Audi R8, and you know it's got the exact layout that that Audi R8 has. So it's kind of like one of what you call a replica. 269 euros. Everything's in Spanish, obviously. But uh, yeah, if you're looking for something unique or different, check them out. All right, Greg, you're back. How about tell us about Moza showing off some new wheels at GamesCon? So uh, this was on Moza's race official Instagram. Uh, the, uh, it's day two at uh, Gamescom, and we're excited to share a glimpse of the exciting products that lay ahead. Uh, head to the Hall 10.1 booth. Uh, so they're showing off what, some of the pictures here. So they got some of their wheels are, are really nice that they have on the wall here, and some of the all the actually all the products that they have. Um, I, I kind of respect how they've done some. There's one of the wheels in here. It was a second picture. It just is basically looks like a, a car steering wheel. Like it's very yeah. basic. Yeah, I love I mean, that. I... <laughs> it's really cool. It, it, you, you don't see any that look like a passenger car wheel. And this definitely does. I mean, it's kind of like buttons for, for, um, for setting your, uh, your, um, was it coastal? Um, when you set your, um, speed, God, I can't think of the name of it, but cruise um, control. Yeah, cruise control where you can resume and, and set it and stuff like that. So this is definitely windshield wipers, stuff like that. This is definitely not a racing wheel, but it's really cool. I look at that well, first, the first picture, Mike. Is this kind of the first one? Kind of rivals? Is this the rival for the the Bentley Fanatec type? Fanatec, right? This is one. They have the display in the middle that is like a gyroscope display that always stays upright no matter how you twist the wheel i think that's what it is I yeah i don't like, know if it does that I, I would be surprised if it does that but i, I think, think it's, it's got, got the look of it i think it has yes yeah, it's, it's got the round round screen i don't know if it's going to do the uh the thing because that really never worked out all that great for fanatec i don't think the uh the wall they have a wall of all their wheels and uh and then on a couple shelves of pedals uh, e-brakes and then all their uh, direct drive setups like I'm seriously thinking that the setup that I'm going to switch to down the road would be that their their product their product looks really nice some of the stuff that they've got coming out with it uh, you can't go wrong with their big wheelbase the the 27 newton meter I think it is um, and some of these wheels are great like you said so I'm impressed how Moza's come on the scene in the last year or two and the amount of product they have. I mean, like you said, they got seven or eight wheel bases. They got nine or 10 wheels. They got three or four sets of pedals. They got a, a full lineup. Pretty cool. Okay, I got this one. Uh, Stream Deck versus the PSP. Now, the PSP is called the Pro Switch Panel. And this is that really fancy small button box that kind of looks like a stream deck and really high quality. It, it mounts on a Ram mount. 
So it's really cool, easy to mount. And we have Sim Racing Den uh, put up a video comparing uh, the Stream Deck to the PSP, also comparing to the Ignition Controls standard button box, which is what I have actually. Um, and and what he thinks of it. it could it replace those items? Um, he loves the new PSP. Everybody does. Uh, fully programmable, fully, uh, you know, you can do the macros and everything. Um, you put stickers on it. Does it replace the Steam Deck? Not necessarily. Uh, the Steam Deck for most people is, or Stream Deck, I should say, is something they'll not go without. Uh, the way that it, it can change depending on what title you're playing. The labels can be swapped out, the colors, you know, it's all automated. So um, he also said he enjoys the ignition controls regular button box as well because you want an ignition switch. You want to be able to flip up the red cover and push the big red button. You want to be able to reach up and do a push to talk, you know, and and so that's nice. So he got to the point where he said, you know, hey, I'm keeping this PSP on my uh, rig for sure, permanently, but I'm not getting rid of the Stream Deck. Yeah, so that um, that uh, Pro Switch panel is made by Precision Sim Engineering, um, which, who make just really high quality wheels and stuff like that. So I'm not surprised at all that their PSP, their Switch panel is um, is is real high quality as well. Um, there was a second review of that by uh, our buddy uh, Lawrence Dusoswa, and um, he 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 liked it a lot more than he thought he would. I thought I think I think um, he just wasn't a big fan of these type of, of panel uh, push push button uh, boxes. But he said, uh, "Yeah, I really like this a lot, even though it's not something I typically get into." All right. Well, after watching, I was going to say after watching both of these. It really makes me think I want a stream deck because both videos really talked about how it compares and contrasts with the stream deck. And uh, boy, maybe I need a stream deck. Yeah. So, Greg, I was going to pass the next one to you, but you have to do the whole uh, report in French. No. Uh, well, this is actually so cool because uh, I advanced sim racing is kind of you know i look over to my right and i've got a lot of products from advanced sim racing in, in my sim room here but it's they announced on their uh, instagram page that um they've opened a four thousand square foot sim racing facility like just a facility for themselves um they've got a showroom yeah, so so it's kind of um, they've got it split in. They're calling it four distinctive rooms. So they got the apex room, the podium room, the pit lane room, and lastly the top gun room. So they they specialize in sim rigs and flight uh, uh, simulations as well. So um, they they offer uh, D box uh, configurations, uh, haptic systems. Uh, was it V Varjo Farjo Arrow? VR headsets. I, I, is yeah. it VR? Okay, sorry, I got that wrong. Uh, and then I obviously got your Semi Cube too. They kind of uh, are promoting, but it's so nice to see all the stuff they got in this facility. It's, 
I like the one where you got the view outside where the sim rigs facing the outside glass window and you you're looking outside but you can be on your sim it's it's really nice looking uh facility that they've cut they've come up with it is it's, it looks really good it's not cramped there like you said there's multiple rooms uh they got a entry you know like a, a reception area uh pretty cool now you can go to their website and actually book it to rent so they do rentals, but I, I also see this as a showroom where you can kind of go in and try it and maybe buy it. Um, Cause they do show all their different product there. But uh, yeah, like here it says the apex room, 88.99 US dollars um, for individual rentals. And I click it, it's for 30 minutes for $89 for an hour. $159. Holy cow. So I guess you have to pay to actually use it. When we talked about this before, a lack of places where people can try professional hardware, you know, sim racing hardware. And so I think this really gives another place, you know, where people can potentially try it. Well, and you know how I've been talking about uh, pricing this week, kind of as we've been going through with our own shop. It's hard to find in Canada a sim racing shop um, as well to you know get Canadian prices. Um, and this place, the best part about uh, advanced sim racing is they have no shipping fees. Everything's you know free shipping all the time, which is like a great bonus for something for heavy product. Yeah, I'm a fan for sure. I bought um, my one item from Advanced Sim Racing the computer tray that my computer sits on i got from them actually very high quality stuff okay brian how about a rig review yeah this is a vintage rig um that was um posted on the instagram page of sim racing point and uh this is a vintage rig for sure it's triple monitors but they're all three of the monitors are old crt <laughs> monitors which is really funny to look at to put c3 three uh crt monitors back to back to back um the chassis I don't even know what this is from. I don't think it's a real car, but it looks like maybe like a vintage uh, video game or something, um, like an arcade style video game. Because it's a, uh, it's like a. It, uh, it makes me think more of the actual ancient uh, driving simulators for Driver's Ed. Oh, okay, yeah, maybe that's what, that's what it is. It is Driver's Ed. I've I've actually raced in one of these when I was fifteen uh, and a half cool. years old. <laughs> Okay, I have never seen one of those before. So it's a driver's ed simulator. So it's it's fairly realistic because you know you're, when you're doing driver's ed learning, you want everything to be kind of close to realistic, and it does look like it. Three pedals, so it's got a clutch built into it. But I guess he's uh, transformed this into his own uh, his own uh, vintage um, racing cockpit. Really, really cool looking. The, the computer is down below the seat. You can see it from behind. Um, when I was in now, back in the day, they don't do this anymore. But back in the day in high school, we took we had to take a class for driver's ed. It was required in ninth grade. And everybody in ninth grade had to go to class and they had these kind of setups. Now, this cockpit that has a seat and the wheel and the dash and the pedals and everything on a pedestal was exactly the same as I 
I used in that class, except the only difference, it was a single monitor from my memory, not the triples that you see here. But uh, yeah, what a blast from the past. So if you got the wheel and the pedals and everything all set up in his computer, that had to take some serious engineering to figure that out, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, back in those days, the hardware and software all had to be probably pretty well be custom programmed. I can remember when you actually had to make sure you had jumper settings on any expansion cards set correctly or you'd end up with conflicts. It wasn't all plug and play like it is now. Yeah, back back when I was 15, I think we had DOS. I don't even know if Windows was out then. We were doing Microsoft DOS with the green screens and... I mean, I remember, yeah, I would know it was color. It, the graphics were really choppy, you know, but yeah, it helps me figure out the rules of the road, I guess. So does anybody know if like current day uh, driver's ed use, uh, use anything like this? I mean, it's so, it's, it's come so far, you know, you can probably get it so realistic that it's, it, it would be a really good tool, but I don't know if they do that. Here in Arizona, we don't have driver's ed in school anymore. And um, when I sent my stepdaughter to be trained, we actually had to hire a company uh, for $600 to basically give her driving lessons. But it was in a real car. It wasn't any simulated. We have a real car at our school. So my son is uh, 17. He hasn't gotten his license yet. And I keep wanting him to try to drive like Mount Washington. There's something that's like a real road to uh, get used to driving. He, he's, he's not taking me up on it just because he doesn't get into the rig or nothing, but I thought it'd be a good thing for him to learn. My youngest plays with a, a lot more and uh, maybe he'll, he'll probably be ready to go once he's getting age. Well, I think that really highlights the, the car culture, how it's faded over the years. I mean, when we were, when I was young, Getting your license was a big deal, and everybody wanted your license the day you're 16, you know, so you can go out with your friends and drive on your own without your parents. But yeah. nowadays, in 2023, they could care less about driving. Yeah, you're right. That's uh, He's not the only one. I mean, I hear that a lot from his friends and stuff. Well, I, I just think that's the way kids are. I mean, it's just not important to them. There's no car culture anymore, you know? Okay, here's that other wheel I mentioned before, uh, Fanatec BMW M4 GTE wheel reviewed by Boosted Media. And this is the $1,500 uh, wheel from Fanatec. You can supposedly use this on a real BMW car uh, with the right quick release and stuff. Uh, he said it's not actually interchangeable uh, at this moment, but when they released it, you know, that was the video they showed was, hey, take it out of the car, the race car, and stick it on the sim rig. Now, the video, when they originally released it, was showing off Fanatec's potential upcoming QR, um, and that's why they were able to move it quickly from car to sim. Uh, his review, obviously he doesn't have the new QR, so, um, but you know, it's, it's a racing wheel. Uh, it's got buttons, it's got colors to me. It, you know, I'm like, Bleh. you know, I don't really, it doesn't stand out to me. I'd buy a Gomez over this any day, especially at that price point. I don't know. And I'm not yeah. a fan of the road wheels that have the, the, the hoop along the bottom. I don't know why. Some of the cool things that.
were in this video from Will Ford. It was um, he shows you um, some pieces that make you use let let you use this rim on other um, pieces. So he he shows uh, a conversion piece. It's not by Fanatec, obviously, but you can you can attach it to your uh, to this wheel on other wheel bases. Um, but you're right, Mike. He said he said it was a good wheel. He he didn't have too many problems with it, but he's just for the price he could he there was a wheel set he would much rather have. Yeah, more functionality, uh, you know, d double paddles versus single paddles, you know, just stuff like that. He said there was absolutely no flex in it. Like he couldn't make anything flex at all. Uh, that was a real good point. But uh, yeah, it is what it is. I'm not going to be buying it. All right, Greg. Uh, we got a new offering from SimLab. Yeah, so uh, trying to see where was this? Is this on their actual website? Uh, or is it oh Facebook? It's they a Facebook, yeah. On the Simulab uh, Facebook page that they're uh, putting out pre-orders for their P1 Pro, uh, featuring a custom design profile, single-piece aluminum injected bracket, and innovative aesthetics. So their pre-order for, or I guess it's available very soon. It doesn't give a date, does it, for that? They basically copied the uh, that other rig that Mike had looked at with the slant. Well, you, the upright's at a slant angle. Is that what you mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I saw that. And but I think they've also copied Advanced Sim Racing. You know, Advanced Sim Racing has a pro rig, and remember that one has the flat uh, surfaces on the outside, so you can put on a logo or whatever. This also has flat surfaces on the outside, uh, very much like that Advanced Sim Racing Pro Rig. So they copied the name and kind of the, the concept there. But you're right, the uprights are at an angle. However, it does look pretty stabilized with the uh, crossbars and stuff. Um, I don't think SimLab as a company would put out a rig called Pro if this thing wasn't rock, rock solid, I, I just imagine it, it has to be. Now, no. when you look at the detail, though, David, of how these things are hooking together, the different pieces, the we got some very unique designs and, and different ways of, of connecting stuff. Like even the upper, sorry, David, the, the brackets for the monitor stand, it's kind of like, it's a, it's a, it's kind of using like a, a more of a, uh, an angled way of trying to change the way that the bracket sits. Like if you can move it around with like uh, um, just loosening the bolts, it looks like, and it can slide up and down kind of thing to try and get a, achieve a different angle. Or more specifically, you can move it in and closer and further back. And yeah, the, the little kind of not, I forget what the word is for just a four-sided box that's not symmetrical, um, but there's um it's got the br those braces that are connecting all the parts that's a little bit unique i'm wondering if they're finding that those are maybe a stronger way to attach them using the ends there that way and it's like you said to try and achieve the angled look too well it also allows you to not have to use um it's a lot harder to use uh corner brackets when you're doing all these funky angles 
Well, that's what I was just about to say. I don't even see a corner bracket or one of those corner, you know, 90 degree brackets that most 8020s uh, use to, you know, hook stuff together. It's completely missing them. The crossbar that would say hold your shifter is like a, a you know, a piece of extrusion, but then on the end of it, it's got like an open air uh, square where there's bolts that can be, you know, you can reach in and twist the bolts that hook direct, you know, screw directly into the extrusion. So uh, it's a fascinating way of how these things are hooking together, quite different than the original SimLab P1X. So I'll ask this, if with this thing on sale now, would it make sense to buy this over the P1X, which has basically been the gold standard for so many years? Does that print depend maybe on price? Yeah, we don't know a price. Yeah, <laughs> but I would say yeah. I mean, I I like the 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 overall design of this. Um, from the one picture that we have, I mean, I would say yes. This is a buy. This is definitely something you you would want. A wheel deck is is interesting. It's got uh, some kind of you know front mount for a like a Mige motor on the front of it, but it's got a flat wheel deck, and I can't tell. You know, are there other ways to mount this, like with side mounts, um, and so forth? I don't know. When it goes up for uh, pre-orders, it'll be interesting to see what the options are, Mike. Yeah, and and what's the price difference from the P1X? Okay, let's jump to results. The NASCAR iRacing series. Let's finish up on Daytona. Friday open, I, uh, my race, I kind of messed up during the green flag stop by pitting too late and losing the draft. Luckily, I caught a caution and was able to recover and got to the lead with six to go. I was leading the second green-white checker um, I and, and then there was a wreck and then I started third for the final restart and made some bad moves and I fell to eighth. And so I feel like I kind of gave up a win here. Uh, basically bad moves on the final two restarts. Uh, I wasn't, didn't get to the right lane, wasn't with the right pusher, that kind of thing. David, DNF. Yeah, there was a bad bump that happened to some guys running the inside lane. I don't remember if I I got hit or just lost the pack as a result. Lost all the track position. Um, then just got caught up into other wrecks, you know, where there's just it's Daytona. There's nowhere to go. And um, I went and got 30 seconds of required uh, repairs done. And I'm, I come around and catch up to the pack. And as we're coming to the green, uh, I get, the engine blows like not 100%, but it goes meatball and, uh, you know, drops to about a half horsepower. So race over. Yep. Tony Rochette wrecked out, just couldn't avoid getting wrecked. Sunday open, Justin P2. Started 21st, didn't really keep it clean. Not really my fault. I had 12X with no damage. A lot of ghost X's. It helps to have a teammate in your split. There was a couple of other teammates that were locked together and pretty much controlled the race. Tony wrecked out again. 
felt like the yudler climbing up the hill waiting for the right price and just toppling over. That's a shout out for Bob Barker dying, I think. Uh, Kyle Pendigraph, P17, started P1, kept it up near the front all race, led 15 laps and had the lead on all three green-white checkers. I was in major fuel saving mode and went 54 laps on a tank of fuel only to run out halfway down the back stretch on the final lap. Coasted home to a P17. Sunday fix, Justin ran P2. Started 21st, didn't really keep it clean. Not really my fault. Oh, that's... Sunday open. On to Darlington, Wednesday open. I ran P16. We basically had 30 lap runs all night. I ran an average of around fifth place most of the night and as high as third. But at the end of the race, it was a 57 lap run to the end. And I faded after about 30 really hard from fifth all the way back to 16th. I suck. David, P15. Yeah, about halfway through the race, um, a wreck happens a few cars in front of me and it's Darlington so they you know they fly down the track and they're in the corner so without having any control of the car they're going to come flying back up and they flew back up into my left rear it caused real damage and I, I got it all fixed but um, car went never really 100% after that and then there was just a lot of carnage that I got caught up in a few other things but managed to still uh, sneak home 15th I guess Dustin ran. He uh, says, don't know, flat out got effing dumped. In my opinion, I was probably top five speed at least. Apparently, I need to learn how to protest. Luckily, I was a 28 car, so I didn't hurt the rating too bad. Tony, P7. Wasn't feeling good about this one, but after missing a few good wrecks, ended up having a good long run car. Even led some green flag laps, but should have pitted a little sooner. Race went over 70 green flag laps at the end. Best I've run at Darlington in about three years. Greg, P15. Yeah, so I was, uh, I think I was pretty quiet during that race last night. Um, I'm not really confident, Darlington. I'm not a great racer at that track. It's probably my least favorite track for some reason, just comp competition-wise. But uh, I was uh, running, went to the back of the pack and kind of just drove really easy for a lot of the race and saved tires and uh, made my way up to the front. Once I finally got to the front, we had a green flag run and I went from, I think about ninth up to the top three or four and it was gonna pan out to uh, on, under under green flag stops. I probably would have come out with the lead or second at worst. And then the caution came out and we got a couple cautions late. Uh, I was racing for fourth going into turn three and by the time I exited turn four I was P15 facing the wrong way because somebody thought that using the apron and trying to come up the track all the way and door into me which hit another car that was on the outside and then it's just kind of all that stuff that when you have like a late race caution everybody anybody that comes off of turn two with a little bit of momentum loss everybody thinks that they can go as many deep as they want into turn three and doesn't matter who they screws or who they screw during the race. They just want to finish. I've seen that a lot this week, um, where people are overdriving trying to pass, and there's no way they can hold their lane. They they they're driving in below you and just wash up and just take you out. And 
that happens a lot at this track. I, I'm I'm really tired of, and this happened a bunch in the race. Like I was saving tires because um, you got what was it six or seven set sets for 184 laps. Um, there was a lot of cautions early, so people were using up tires a lot. But I back off early going into the corner, and guys are like you get you, you know you're you're running into the back you get a one or you get a, a zero x because guys are like oh you know you're too slow going in the corner and then on the exit you're blowing by them because they've used their stuff up or 10 laps later you use their stuff up and it's like learn to you know darlington is really hard on tires like learn how to race and if somebody is slow going in the corner it's still your responsibility not to run them over yeah uh tom ran i don't know what he got but he had a a decent finish when I didn't uh, and he extended his point lead quite a bit um, I think it was 90 something 80 something points I so I ran today P7. <laughs> P7 yeah so I ran today uh, got a DNF ouch I was restarting third on a round lap 60 on a restart the guy directly behind me in fifth he we're going into one on the restart. He floats up off the bottom into the guy on my outside. Uh, and he turns that guy and that guy turns me. And um, yeah, I had over eight minutes required and I think it knocked a wheel off and yeah, DNF. So I'm not having much luck at all. I can't get my eye rating up. And so it is what it is. Okay, let's jump to final thoughts. Greg Hectus. Uh, just uh, looking forward to uh, maybe getting a start. I'm not sure if I'm going to start tomorrow night or Sunday morning, but I'll get one more start at Darlington. I, I was pretty, you know, um, pretty glad I got a good run in and it felt good. And I kind of learned some new things on the track. And I'm loving being back on VR again for some reason. VR just feels better when you're racing. I don't know what it is, but um it just suits me more so i uh um yeah so i'm just looking forward to race this week and uh we'll go on uh getting closer and closer to our 400th podcast and excited that we got some new merch yeah very cool i'm excited about the merch too i'm gonna place an order pretty soon uh just trying to strategically figure out what i want to buy out of all the cool stuff all right, David Hall, final thoughts. I was just thinking you should have never let Triple's fanboy talk you into it. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Uh, I wanted him anyways, so it didn't matter. Well, I don't know. VR, you just you don't see, you don't need to see sideways anyway. I I didn't really have a chance to chime in when y'all were talking about it earlier between the road, the dirt road racing versus the oval, and. Yeah, it's really nice and being able to turn your head and look where you need to do, need to look, but also be able to be able to stay focused and just to have the depth procession and actually feel like you're sitting in the car. So, uh, Team VR for me for sure. Uh, I'm glad I at least sort of got a mediocre finish at Darlington because I am traveling this weekend, so that'll be it. We have our first away game tonight as or tomorrow night as well. Um, merch, 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 merch. Go buy. 
it's uh, really cool looking stuff. I'm, I know I'm definitely getting me some stuff to, to show off in the gym and, uh, uh, some, I'll keep, uh, the bald head warm in the winter with one of those caps. Yeah. Get your merch guys. Um, let's, let's uh, get these guys some sales. Uh, they've been great to work with and, uh, we feel really good about this. Go get you a hat, a t-shirt, a sticker, get, at least buy a sticker. You guys have been listening to us for a long time. You got to get a sticker. All right, Brian McCubbin, final thoughts. All right, so um, yeah, if I, if you remember last week, I um, I did all my resets on my computer and started it back up Sunday night. I went into our Daytona race for OBRL and uh, got bounced out three times. Uh, I don't know what it is, but I don't think it's software. So I'm going going to have to do some process of elimination and try uh, figuring out what's going on. I think I'm having a hardware issue at somewhere. Um, so I made some progress where I uh, turned everything off except my Fanatec wheel and just did a, a AI race um, for about an hour and I didn't have any issues. So I, I'm, I'm just going to start working from there, um, try different server options, something. I got I got to figure this out because um, it's been getting really annoying. Um, I was one point out of the playoffs because Sunday night was our playoff cutoff in our, in, uh, on OBRL at Daytona. And um, I had a really good chance of, of making it in if I just finished decent at Daytona and I just got bounced out three times in the race. So I couldn't, couldn't pull it off. So uh, a little frustrating, but um, it's, I guess it's part of the deal with uh, computer stuff. That's nuts. I'm going to remind you, Brian, of before this computer, my last computer, I had a blinking problem. And and you think, you know, blinking, oh, that's network. That's your router. That's your internet service provider. You know, that's that's your Wi-Fi. It's got to be, you know, maybe your network card. But you know what fixed it? A new computer. When I bought a new computer, guess what? I never blinked again. So I don't know what yeah. it caused it, but uh, sometimes you got to kind of go crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, my computer is like a year old, and it was like top of the line when I got it. You know, 3080 Ti, you know, um, win, Windows, um, not Windows 11, Windows 10, but um, the uh, i9 processor, you know, maxed out the RAM. Everything was top-notch as far as I could get at the time. And, you know, I can't, you know, buying a new one after a year I, I would, would make me sick. <laughs> yeah, it, it's frustrating. But I guess my point is, is the whole time, you know, I'm thinking it's network, it's network, it's your internet service provider, whatever. It wasn't. But I changed out the computer. All that stuff works fine. So, yeah, you never know what it could be. Uh, my final thoughts. Man, I, I, I've had a couple bad weeks of not getting good points. And um, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, I'm making bad moves. I mean, I should have won at Daytona and I made bad moves. And so I don't know what it is with me. So it's just one of those, you know, it's a long season. There's ups and downs. I'm kind of on a down curve right now. But with week 13 coming up and season four with the new, uh, you know drafting series i forget the name of it Draftmeister, whatever it is i'm looking forward to that maybe i can farm some ir and turn my season around for the point um drop weeks are coming you know who who knows what's going to happen after that so 
I'm optimistic. It looks like Tom's going to win it, but it's not over till it's over. So with that, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.